0: With
1: the Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ Straight Fire! This is the Wesson Walker Show.
2: Even the crowd knows what's coming next.
1: Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. As always, we appreciate you sharing your middays with us. We want to hear from you. 704 570 9610. That's the text line 704 570 9610. Unfortunately, before we board the bus just to get off it, we got to bring you some breaking news taking place within the last half hour, and it's not great on part of the Carolina Panthers. Darren Gant. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Play. Ooh, I have the power of the breaking news soundbite. This is weird. Fitty usually takes this power, the power hungry producer that he is Darren Gant, <laughs> Panthers.com. He broke just a half hour ago that Brady Christensen left guard for the Carolina Panthers has been placed on injured reserve because he's been placed on injured reserve. That means he is for sure going to at least miss the next four weeks. He suffered a biceps injury late in the opener against Atlanta. He did play every single snap of the opener. But again, after that biceps injury, he suffered late in that game. They placed him on IR. So now not only do we have this JC Horn injury, we have Brady Christensen having an injury that is going to keep him out for a month, just like going into the season, Austin Corbett was not going to be able to play for at least four weeks. And now these guys are on very similar timelines as far as the IR would suggest. Not good news here, Wes. Just real quickly. How worried are you now with Carolina missing? Brady Christensen, for sure, for the next month. J.C. Horn. For at least the next couple of weeks, Austin Corbin not going to be in here. Panthers starting to drop like flies.
2: Well, we could say, you know, the normal cliches, next man up, all of those different types of things. But, no, this definitely stinks for the Panthers, an area of concern in the preseason. We'll see if they continue uh, the pretty good performance that they had against Atlanta, but now – In the interior of that defense, that was a problem during the preseason. You lose Brady Christensen at this point. Chandler Savala stepped in admirably and started in his first game. Now do you move him over to the left side next to Icky? And then do you replace him on the right side, I guess, with Nash Jensen, I would think would probably be the guy to step into that slot. We shall see. But, no, this is not good. You never want to lose starting offensive linemen, especially at the beginning of the season, especially when you're 0-1 and have to win a big game against a division rival on Monday night.
1: All right, so we actually have Frank Reich talking about this very injury as it currently – I mean, we're getting text right up to the second. For instance, Mike Salarte I see in my Twitter timeline eight seconds ago dropping some updates. So let's get to it. Let's get off the bus talking injuries.
2: We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say.
1: Frank Reich speaking to the media. I'll read Mike Silarte's tweet just because it's right here, right in front of me. The Christensen injury happened late. Frank Reich says to the media that they're working different combinations at guard, whether it be a Cade Nays, Nash Jensen, also McRae is in the mix. Christensen out at least four weeks. J.C. Horn getting more opinions on his hamstring. Reich unsure of the timetable for return, at least for both of these guys and J.C. Horn, not on IR, but still don't know about what kind of return we'll see. With a J.C. Horn If you go back to the Panthers.com Write up by Darren Gant Darren writes that you could see Cade Mays, Calvin Throckmorton Nas Jensen, they're all going to be in the mix They're going to have to wait on Austin Corbett Now this is the question for me The first thing I think of, Wes Chandler Zavala played on the left side for majority of his NC State tenure. They moved him to the right side because Brady Christensen had already been playing at left guard, and so Chandler with Austin Corbett out, he's in the starting lineup, and so he had been playing next to Taylor Moten. Chandler Zavala also has a left tackle that he played at NC State with on the left side of the offensive line, and Iki Quanu. you would think that the communication, the chemistry between those two It's not starting at zero. There's already a foundation going back to their days playing college football in Raleigh, North Carolina. With that all being said, and some guys in the mix for that starting right guard spot before Zavala won it, is that something you entertain? Having Zavala now switch, going to the left side. Bringing up a Nash Jensen or whoever you deem fit, is that something you would experiment?
2: Yeah, because offensive linemen, for the most part, are interchangeable. We see a lot of left tackles, franchise left tackles, unless you're just really, really that guy. They normally start off on the left side, but a lot of them come into the league and start on the right side and then move their way over there. And you see the same thing with guards as well. You always have guys that are swing players on offensive lines. That's just part of the deal when you're an offensive lineman being able to play multiple positions. So I think it, was, it would only be natural to me to move Chandler Savala over to the left side. And then insert someone else into that right guard spot because you want the left side to be the most solidified because that's the backside
1: of the franchise jewel. I'm usually very wary of moving guys from the right to the left because if you listen to offensive linemen, hell, I listen to one every single day, so you can give your opinion on this. But when you switch from one side to the other, you're just reversing everything you learn, which sounds simple enough, but especially at tackle, it's got to be a little different. You're talking about kick slides, having to switch that now, and that means a world of difference. Speaking of David Bakhtiari, who's in the news for condemning the NFL for having NFL stadiums going to turf so much now, especially here in Charlotte, Bakhtiari, I remember him equating it to learning to wipe with your other hand, (laughs) trying to switch (laughs) to the other side of the offensive line, Mm -hmm. saying, okay, like I guess you could do it, but it's certainly not going to be as efficient. It's going to take some time to learn. And I always go back to Taylor Moten speaking at training camp, saying, now that I'm going to be playing right tackle, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing here for the offensive line. I feel a lot better not having to figure out, all right, now i got to learn how to do this on the left side, on the right side. Uh, Even if I'm usually worried about that is my point. I'm okay with Savala going to the left because that's what he was most comfortable with in college. I don't think that he's learned, or I don't think he has so many snaps under his belt to the point where now it's going to have to, he's going to have to undo all of this knowledge has to go back. I, I think this is a little bit of a different circumstance, especially if you have Nash Jensen or some of these other guys like Cade Mays being a swing guard, especially if you have other guys that are ready to go in. Maybe we do experiment with going uh, Zavala and Icky just like they played at NC State on the left side of that line. I think that's where I lean right now, depending on what Frank Reich will tell us as the week goes on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for a guy like Zavala, again, like you said, with them equating it to wiping with the other hand or whatever it is that you want (laughs) to say, because most guys aren't going to be comfortable doing things left-handed anyway. The majority of people are right-handed, obviously, but I think for a guy like Zavala, like you said, he is used to playing on that left side like he did at NC State, so I don't think it will be that big of a switch for him to be able to go to
1: that side at all. If you look at pro football focus, use that as your tool for what Brady Christensen did this past game against the Atlanta Falcons. It was not very good. He had a pass blocking grade of 51.4, a run blocking grade of 57.5. We actually praise the offensive line for their pass protection in this game for the most part, especially in the first half. I wonder if some of those pressures in the second half is what brought Christensen's grade down a little bit. But even so, continuity matters. Even if we've always thought Christensen was one of the weaker links of this offensive line. This one still matters, and I wonder how much it matters to you, Wes, when you match up the Carolina Panthers against the New Orleans Saints, where, yes, they might be an old defense, but as we saw against Tennessee, they're still a pretty damn effective defense.
2: Yes, they are, and so when you look at the interior of this defensive line, as far as what they're doing this season, Shepard and Saunders, their interior defensive lineman, neither one of them over a 60 so far, so the strength of that defensive line is on the edges, so maybe you do get a little bit of a reprieve, there, but still you're talking about getting to the second level. Guys having to block DeMario Davis and the crew. And so it's going to be a formidable challenge. This is the Saints defense that came out and played very well against uh, the Tennessee Titans and made that a very, very ugly game. Got a lot of sacks. They got uh, tackles for loss. They were very disruptive. Three interceptions on the afternoon. So this is a defense that still looks to be very, very good. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore said after the game that Obviously, as you think that he would say that their defense is something special. What you got over there,
1: fitting
0: I don't know if y'all have seen this on your Twitter timeline. This coming from Adam Schefter. Uh, Panthers head coach Frank Reich said that J.C. Horn's hamstring injury... It's serious enough that he is expected to miss extended time. Surgery is an option, and he, like Brady Christensen, could land on
1: IR. Yeah, I did see that as well, Joe Person, tweeting that out as well, that both of those things are on the table. That's how Joe describes it, at Joseph Person on Twitter. IR and surgery both on the table for J.C. Horn after what he described as a freak injury. All those good vibes that we had in the off season <laughs> with the greatest coaching staff Back ever assembled. Yeah, Back I don't even I don't want to. I, I want to sing with you, but I can't right now. <laughs> I want to. I want to hit that melody, but it, it's not it's not very melodic for me right now to be able to say, yeah, Christensen's hitting IR. JC Horn could be on IR. It's unfortunate, because if you were an optimist, you certainly were thinking that this team was going to stay relatively healthy. We always knew they were going to be vulnerable if a cornerback suffered an injury. Especially Especially that one. Especially that one, and even Dante, right? I mean, Dante Jackson has his Eh. share of injuries. Well, Dante's better than C.J. Henderson. (laughs) I admit it's a low bar, but he's better than C.J. Henderson. And Dante being the number one quarterback now, like, that proves both of our points even more that he's the number one cornerback. Now the offensive line losing some continuity. I'll say this. I still worry more about JC than I do Christensen. Both are problematic. But if you were to ask me what I think is the most impactful, I think there is a little bit of a rare way out of this for Carolina, specifically because they drafted a guy that has so many snaps playing alongside the guy he could be playing alongside this upcoming week. Back in college. So so I think that matters. I think having Icky, Chandler Savala, being friends, playing alongside one another at NC State, I think that's what you do, depending on what they've seen in practice, which obviously I haven't been there. Savala moves to Ick- moves alongside Icky. That that makes sense to me. I, and I think even we talked about this before, Wes. Is Zavala somebody that could overtake Brady Christensen's job just because he's much more of a run uh, run blocker? And that's something that Christensen struggled with last year. If you look at what Christensen's strengths were, it's his athleticism. He posted some very good times at the Combine regarding his athleticism as an offensive tackle. And I think that shows in his play. I think his pass blocking is better than what the run blocking is. So maybe that switches. I'd rather have a better pass blocker at really every spot on the offensive offensive line, but you can still be pretty damn effective if Saval and Ikiard clearing paths for Miles Sanders or, or or Chuba Hubbard. There are ways around this one, in my opinion, more so than there are ways around the J.C. Horn injury. That one's going to be pretty damn impactful.
2: Yeah, the depth of this offensive line is certainly going to be tested. Chandler Zavala for sure. Uh, he's going to show his value if he's able to step over there and play well. I mean, analytically the grade wasn't great that you got from Sunday, but he's still got a lot to learn because yeah. at the end of the day, this is a fourth-round pick. This is not a guy who was stepping in with first-round pedigree and looked at as a camp miss prospect, there was a reason why, and he was a guy that shot up the draft board. He was looked at as a lower round pick until workout started, started to look at the tape a little bit more. So, this is a very, very intriguing scenario for the Panthers, but one that every team's going to have to deal with. I mean, you're going to lose six to eight key guys during the year at some point for some amount of time. That's just the way that this game is. The Panthers are dealing with it earlier, so hopefully, if they get some of these guys back down the line, then they'll have the injuries. Out of them, and they can stay in the lineup for the rest of the year.
1: I like Dale and Clover's text at 704 seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. It's simple. There's not a sentence. It's just run left. Love it. <laughs> just what's the offensive game plan, Coach? Running left. We're going to turn left as much as NASCAR drivers do. That's what our offense is going to look like. It's Wes and Walker off and rolling. We'll continue the Carolina Panther conversation continue to give you Frank Reich's comments to the media as far as it pertains to the injuries and their matchup against the New Orleans Saints. We'll also tell you who our most surprising Panther from week one is. Wesley Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. getting very good news out of Carolina Panthers land. Frank Reich speaking to the media. Darren Gant dropped a report on Panthers.com within the last half hour, I guess over an hour now. Brady Christensen hitting IR, which means he will at least Miss the next four weeks. People are texting with their thoughts. The doomsday texts are coming in. The firing texts are coming in. It feels like Pitty <laughs> has about 17 different burners that he's working on right now on the text line 704 570 9610. Let's get to a few of these. Steve Carolina Cat, he wrote in, move Zavala to left guard. Let the best alternative fill in at right guard until Corbett can play. I agree with that text. You're leaning that way as well? Zavala, left guard. Let I know you kind of like Nash Jensen a little bit, don't you? Uh,
2: yeah, bit? we'll see what he looks like in a regular season for sure. But I think that you have to take your most tenured interior player and move him over at this well, got point. got a lot
1: of young guys there right now.
2: They do, and especially with a guy like Zavala, who came out of college as a left guard. So to me, it's a natural mm-hmm. Uh, move for him to go over to that left side. He's already was used to that for playing that at NC State. So go ahead and put him back over there. He's got some experience of playing in the first regular season game, especially like you said, with so many young guys that are backups. Go ahead and slide him
1: over. 910 is down bad, Wes. He said, OMG, Michael Jordan's coming back. I think a lot <laughs> of people are worried. <laughs> it took him a while to cut him and now that they have another roster spot, you wonder, hey, Is Michael Jordan going to be back in this? I don't think they could bring him back. I mean, I would love to see those replies. I'd hate (laughs) and love to see the replies to that tweet. We brought Michael Jordan back to the active roster. (laughs) That's going to be a blow up. Uh, So you have Augusta Stone, also other man Mark, putting this in on the text line. Augusta Stone tweeted out that the Panthers head coach Frank Reich says they're working through the cornerback rotation right now with J.C. Horn out. He says another corner may be added to the 53, but they feel good about C.J. Henderson, Dante Jackson, and the group they currently have. People are not ready to hear this about C.J. Henderson. I think a <laughs> lot of people, including you, aren't even really wanting to hear it about Dante, but especially C.J. Henderson, people do not want to hear this. They got to add somebody else to that room to shore up some kind of depth, West,
2: They will, and so I wonder... Um With them bringing in the kid from San Francisco, Deshaun Jamison, also with the big co-sign that he had from Steve Wilks, is this going to be his opportunity to maybe get in there and make some noise as well? Because I know that Steve Wilks had glowing things to say about him. So if they're happy with their depth, then again, this is why they played the games. We're going to see what you're going to get from them. But no, I don't trust Any of these cornerbacks that they have, especially Dante Jackson, if that guy's your number one going into the game, especially going up against a receiving trio like they're going to see on uh, Monday night, then you can't feel too great about that unless we talked about how D'Angelo Hall and the impact that he's had on this secondary we talked about some of the plays that Dante Jackson made in the limited time that he did play. So perhaps maybe he does turn a corner to an extent under the tutelage of D'Angelo Hall. And maybe we do see a difference. But right now, I'm not going to trust that.
1: Well, they did already add a cornerback. They added breaking news from yesterday. Lamar Jackson. Yes, they did. To the practice squad. Seven o Let's go. But again, folks tell you cornerback He's gonna play corner and quarterback like S- travis hunter c-o-r cornerback <laughs> lamar jackson was added to the practice squad he went through the offseason with the chiefs and spent the end of last season with the broncos with defensive coordinator ajero averro did y'all see the wide receiver they added today I did not see the wide receiver. It was like Michael Stray yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it looks a little yes, they are going after legends right now. Lamar Jackson and Michael Strahan, but there's a C in there, so it's like Michael Strahan, maybe put something yeah. like that in there. Maybe I- hocking
0: up a loogie, Michael <laughs> Strahan. Whenever I saw that Lamar Jackson was signed to the practice squad, Cam Newton showed up.
2: Tell me how these randoms
1: hmm. keep getting time. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: He sent that message to the
1: Jets. Yo, <laughs> I heard Aaron Rodgers is down. How's these random Zach Wilson? Random, put me in the jet green, baby. Let's get to some other text here because I think this is going to lead us down a different road with a different conversation surrounding their general manager, Reverend Herbaceous, He put in Horn is just brittle. They count on him being healthy is just insane. Another fumble by Fitterer by not having a contingency plan. I've seen quite a few people start to go after Scott Fitterer the last couple of days. And it's because of J.C. Horn specifically. Now, there were plenty of people that weren't thrilled with the job that he had done. But what Fitterer was holding on to for a little part of this, Wes, Mm -hmm. it's the fact that J.C. Horn was a good player when he was on the field. And so if you talk about a guy with that kind of impact, A guy that pro football focused last year would throw up the stats, say number one corner when you're talking about passer rating allowed. There were a lot to suggest that he was top five, whatever people held on to that. And he played a good amount of games last year. Still hurt, still had the questionable designation, but at least played a decent amount of games. This fan base was not ready to see Horn miss time after week one. It it happened too soon. I mean, even if it went to the mid-portion of the season and J.C. Horn was hit, going to hit IR, they weren't going to take that well, let alone week one and J.C. Horn is going to miss at least a couple of games and miss significant time. People already. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. They're like, look, Walker, I know you've had this difference between, hey, what was Matt Rule, who had 51% control over the roster? What's the difference between him, Scott Fitterer, who's a rule pick, who's a Fitterer pick? And he's right. It's tough to try to make that distinction. Nobody knows for sure. I think Scott Fitterer handles himself in a more professional way, which has allowed me to give him the benefit of the doubt more so than Matt Rule. But we also went over that stat. The Cowboys are the best at getting people's careers off the ground in the NFL, whether it be bringing them in as an undrafted free agent or just drafting them. The Cowboys were the best. And the Panthers were the worst out of all the teams in the NFL through the last five years or so. The Panthers were the worst. So (laughs) if J.C. Horn goes down and you can't see your first round pick and the guy that Fitterer and Matt Rule, but the guy that Fitterer was a part of as well, trading for and C.J. Henderson, he's no good. You've invested a lot in that position. And here we are still talking about that being the or one of the biggest weaknesses on this roster What do you make of a lot of the Fitterer criticism that's coming about right now?
2: Well, the thing is with the fans, I can relate to an extent because you look at a team and and when they come out, there's certain omens when you watch them play or different thoughts you have coming into the season that will let you know how the season's going to go, at least how you perceive it to be in that moment. And I know J.C. Horn getting hurt definitely had to be a trigger for Panther fans to say, oh, here we go, same old story, same old stuff jc's hurt we're struggling things aren't looking good so i get it fitterer no i'm not going to accept the fitterer slander at this point because you're talking about a team they already were picking in the top 10 of the nfl draft to begin with so that tells you you're not a very good football team then you trade up to the number one pick everybody and i know there were some detractors out there but a lot of people including us had a lot of love for what he did this offseason season as far as what he supplied bryce with as far as what he did as far as the coaches that were hiding. I know that was ownership involved in that as well. But as far as fitting the players that he provided, we felt like that this was a good starter kit for Bryce Young to come out with day one. We thought the offensive line was going to improve. Preseason didn't look good. Game one looks pretty good. Jury's still out. Defensively, they're still getting their thing together uh, under Ejero Evero. But, no, I don't think at this point you can get upset just because guys get hurt. This is the NFL. As far as planning for it, what did you want them to do? Because you guys like the draft class. So did you want them to draft a corner instead of Mingo as a as a second-round pick to have to, to step in there for if J.C. Horn gets hurt? Like, what type of contingency plan are we talking here? Because there's only a couple of ways you could have gone. Could you have drafted a rookie, which you don't know what you were going to get out of him? Could you have tried to go sign a big ticket or make a trade for a big ticket corner? Probably not. So then at that point, what did you get? You get a a journeyman or some type of mid-level to average player. That's not going to help anything. I don't think there really was a true contingency plan for J.C. Horn. There's there's no big-time corner on the market that you could have went and signed or gone and traded for. So I don't know what you do there. I think that these guys are just suffering some unfortunate injuries at this point. It's still going to take time. But no, I don't think Federer deserves slander at this point because uh, there was so much love for what he did at least around these parts during the off season.
1: The biggest move that he's going to be attached to is moving up to get Bryce Young. If Bryce Young works out, that's going to be the thing that gives him life or death. We talked about it with Ryan Pace with the Chicago Bears, right? when he was making the moves that he did, you move up to go get Mitch Trubisky at number two overall. It does not go well. They get to the postseason. That, what was it? Was it his rookie year or the second year with Mitch Trubisky? Either way, they get to the postseason. Yet still, we were able to tell, yeah, Mitch Trubisky is not a franchise QB. And when you give up that much to move up one spot, it's not going to work out for you. With Scott Fitterer, to give up as much as they did. And they gave up a lot. Think about it. If everything hits worst case scenario and you're talking about what? Top 10 pick, top five this year, you don't have a first round pick.
2: Yes, that's, this is true.
1: So then you start to go to second round and man, that's a starter you're drafting or that you could have drafted had you had it, but you also don't have Bryce Young. If you don't get rid of it, you don't have, you know, DJ Moore is not here. I talked about the ramifications of it. Ultimately, I decided I thought this was the right move to go up and get Bryce Young. I thought it was worth it. But remember, I was like, yeah, this is going to be hard to replace. It's, it's hard. DJ Moore's a good player. There, there's varying ranges of what people thought about DJ, but I don't think anybody thought he was just average. I think people understood he's a good to very good to great, but not average. He was above that. And to lose that kind of weapon, especially with that receiver room as it looks right now, there's going to be a lot attached with Scott Fitter as it pertains to what Bryce Young does. And even Jonathan Mingo, if Mingo works out, I think that's going to help But fitterer the job security, which I don't think is in real question right now, but if Mingo hits and he gives you however many receiving yards this year, if he just looks the part more eye test with Mingo to where we're really excited for him to break out in his sophomore season, That's going to carry a lot of weight with Scott Fitterer and people's confidence in it.
2: And you know what else is going to also add insult to injury? If Bryce doesn't have the rookie season that a lot of people think he should have had with all of these quarterbacks that are coming out this year, you know you're going to hear Why would you guys give up so much stuff? You could have waited, got a quarterback in this draft cycle, and then had some other things and kept your picks. And so that's also going to be an argument that a lot of people will make. But again, like we said, you wouldn't have Bryce Young. You wouldn't have this optimism of the future because this year, I feel like I won't necessarily say it's, it's playing with house money, but if you made the playoffs this year or had a really successful season, that puts you, in my opinion, really ahead of schedule. And so, if you don't have a great season this year, then okay, you still have got your quarterback. Hopefully, Ikea Kwanu carries out what we think he should this year. So, you've got that. So, you've got some pieces in place to be able to keep building, even though you're going to be missing those picks. going to have to get a little creative to try to fill in some of the holes.
1: And Fitter is creative. We do know that. Yeah, yeah you got to get
2: a little bit creative. But the main thing for the franchise is that you hopefully have found your quarterback.
1: 100%. That's the biggest thing you got to hit on. And if you hit then every time you bring up J.C. Horn's injury prone, you should have drafted somebody else. And by the way, when people go back in that draft, this is something that bugs me a little bit. The question was whether to draft Justin Fields. Patrick Sertan, okay, maybe you dug into the film, but there was not a lot of people saying, great, we missed out on Patrick Sertan. It was the position people had a problem with. It wasn't necessarily the player. I mean, sure, maybe you like Sertan more. I'm not saying that. But as far as what the real criticism was surrounding that selection, it was Justin Fields being available. And that whole offseason, people were talking about whether they should draft a quarterback at that spot. People that want to bring in Micah Parsons. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that missed out on him. People didn't know whether he was a linebacker, an edge rusher. Was he a hybrid? Even Dallas wasn't using him as a sheer edge rusher his rookie year until they realized, oh, this guy might be the best pass rusher in the NFL. Let's play him at that spot every time. And now Dallas has maybe the best defensive player in the entire NFL. Apologies to your boy, Nick Bosa. Yeah. Still very good. Right we know who the DPOY is. <laughs> that's right. Could be Parsons this year, but you get the idea. <laughs> See, that's the kind of stuff. This reminds me a lot of the, the Bobcats. The Hornets could have selected Giannis. Okay. A lot of teams could have selected Right, Giannis. and who, who knew then that he was going to be that? I, Micah had some real questions. There were real questions about character. Got into some stuff with Penn State. position. Is he gonna be linebacker, edge rusher? What is he? I so the Michael Parsons stuff is bad. The JC Horn just needs to stay on the field. I look, he suffered a little bit of an injury, I believe, in South Carolina. But this is the thing where I don't know if I point to Scott Fitter and say, that's a you problem. How dare you? Like this is he's good. The talent evaluation, if that's the sh- the thing in question, the talent evaluation is that JC Horn, he's good, but he can't stay healthy and that's a real problem.
2: Yes, it is. And so you got people like seven oh four, uh, two double o number that said that Pat Sertan was head and shoulders the better corner when we picked horn but it's so easy to go back in the draft and have hindsight 2020 people loved horn man as a player yeah that's what i'm saying i remember coming out in that process that he was looked at as either the number one or number two corner and whichever one was your preference was the one that you were gonna pick and uh people could get upset and say oh they should have picked justin fields or this guy that guy but as you said, it's only because J.C. Hornets had bad injury history. If the guy plays, everybody's fine with the pick, and his story's not over with yet. I saw a text, uh, I forgot who put that in that talked about Thomas Davis. Granted, Thomas Davis did play multiple seasons before his injury bug hit, but this was a guy for the better part of three seasons was not available and ended up being one of the cornerstone players this franchise has ever seen. So hopefully this could be the last of J.C.'s injuries because I feel like at some point a guy's luck has got to change. At some point they have to stop being injured. Like I said with Michael Thomas to start the season. Hopefully for Jay jc this is the end of the road for him and then he can be healthy from here on out. But right now it's just hard to see that narrative with everything we've seen so far.
1: All right, we have very minimal time, but I I have this overwhelming responsibility to please the tease with the most surprising Panther. Maybe we give our answer in just a synopsis as to why, and we can get into some details a little bit later on. Most surprising Panther. We asked that question coming into the segment based off what you saw in week one. The most surprising Panther to me, and maybe it shouldn't have been, but to me, it was Hayden Hurst. He was very involved. And Wes, I know that can't be your answer because you liked the signing. You thought he was going to have a big part in the offense. That I did. Um, I I should have seen it coming with just how much Frank Reich likes to use the tight ends. But Bryce Young was throwing to him a lot. I, I think going back and watching that film even more so, what I really like about Bryce's game is he loves to attack the middle of the field. And this offense does, which is why I like some of the play calling. At least I like the concepts. You attack the middle of the field, it opens everything else up. And I think Bryce was doing that quite a bit. Hayden Hurst was a big part of that. And so for him, I told you this, I I feel very good about Adam Thielen not reaching 1,000 yards. As far as Hayden Hurst's impact with this team, that I probably did undersell. And I think you were probably more right based off of what trends we expect to continue. I expect Bryce Young to continue to look Hayden Hurst's way.
2: Gotta love Hayden Hurst, man. He's a cagey, cagey veteran. For my most surprising player, uh, as we are up against the break, I am going to go with Chuba Hubbard. Uh, I thought he really came out, toted the the man, 6.7 yards a carry on uh, nine carries. So it wasn't like he just got a few here and there. Or he broke one big run and the rest were trash. This was a guy that was consistently gaining really good yards, his long of the day was twenty one. And I thought he looked pretty good, man, and that's a good debate that uh we'll get to at some point talking about Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard which one of the two looked better but I mean 6.7 yards a carry that's, that's college-like.
1: Big Cat Dan agrees with you Chuba Hubbard was the most surprising and what I liked about Chuba is yes he benefited from some monster gaps but also he broke tackles once he got to the second that, level. He did. And so you you did the most with what was given to you and then some. You're, uh, Chuba Hubbard all he does is impress me when he runs between the tackles. All right, we, we went through this the second half of last season we went through it in week one right, kudos to you Continuing to give kudos to Chuba Hubbard. Real quickly, let's hit a Fitty Flash before we move on. What you got for us, Fitty?
2: Fitty.
0: I was going to mention the NBA's new uh, policy against resting players, but we're up against it. Matt Olson hit his uh, 51st home run last night for the Atlanta Braves, trying the, tying the club record. So a historic season for him and what's becoming a historic season for the Braves uh, marches on as he hit his 51st home run. Pete Alonzo, who is second in the NL, hit his 44th home run as the Mets beat the Ooh. Diamondbacks last night. Olson
1: has seven more bombs than the polar bear.
0: Yeah, but, you know, see, that's what happens when – You know, we didn't throw at Matt Olson. The Braves threw at Pete Alonso, cost him two weeks. So I'm just I'm just asking: Are you going to have to tweet Matt
1: Olson is the best power hitter in baseball?
0: No. Okay. I I don't I I don't tweet lies.
1: How many? How long has it been since you tweeted? I didn't tweet it
0: last night. Okay. Nine. It's been a
1: couple weeks. Yeah. Met, Mets, but is dying. He is slowly <laughs> decaying. He was strong as ever at the beginning of the season, but I am starting to smell him as he is decaying, continuing as we go on in the Major League Baseball season. What do I smell like? Death. <laughs> 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 Just like some of your fandoms, they start to die, whether it be the Dallas Cowboys or the Mets. Your fandom starts to die. Let's move on. Plenty more to get to. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.
2: This is the Wesson Walker Show. It is Wednesday, hump day. It's a war cry Wednesday. We didn't give a war cry. Are we doing that or nah?
1: Yeah, I think we need to do it.
2: Well, let's do it then. It I'm going to count it, it down.
1: It today. was real melancholy at the beginning of the show. Yeah, so man. So I think I forgot about it with the breaking news. But And also, this subject is a little melancholy as well. Yeah, but- so we're going to get you hyped. Oh, and I'm sorry. we'll okay. deliver okay. a little bit of bad news. If you're okay. out
2: there in your cars right now, let's get it. I know some of y'all were waiting on this today. And tell who else is around to just excuse you. But you got to let out a war cry on a one, a two, a three. Whoa,
1: oh, baby, let's
2: go! A it's no, Let's go! It's lit! <laughs> Walking well, look like a WWE <laughs> wrestler over there just now, man. I like that.
1: It's the highest note I think I've ever hit. Man, that was lit right there. I love that. All mm-hmm. right? Let's so, go into a bad topic.
2: All right. So... <laughs> Kai Jones, man, he's having a tough time. We saw him on the live just uh, a week ago, sweating, dancing, acting, yeah. very strange. And so now he comes onto to social media roasting teammates. Bad judgment calls by him as of late, man. And maybe we're going to discuss this in a minute, but he uh, on Thursday, September 7th, he raised fans' concern with the rant on Instagram Live that we just talked about. Then less than a week later, he's created another problem – dissing Mark Williams and Nick Richards, two players who are expected to be ahead of him in the rotation. And so when you check out those tweets and what he had to say, barking back at fans, you just don't need this from one of your players. So one fan said Nick Richards with the greater than sign you. He replied to him and said, I'm more assertive with the ball than him. I can read myself. All right. And then another (laughs) man comes out and says, Mark Williams getting your bum heaster Mm -hmm. off of the roster. So then he replies, show me a video of Mark pulling up, going left, and hitting it anywhere, man, in college, somewhere, show one. So this is uh, not very good. And then Mark Williams has replied to him, and he just simply posted a picture of 50 Cent with a uh, disgusted face on his uh, on his
1: mug there. I think that's the meme of the video, of 50 Cent, talking yes. about Floyd Mayweather, mm-hmm. like you, like, why are you mad at me, like stuff like that.
2: Exactly. So what do we think about this, man? And and do we feel like that he's doing this on purpose to get himself off of this team? Or or, or what do we feel is so, going on with Kai right. Jones
1: right now? So, so with this Kai Jones stuff, it, it feels honestly a little weird to talk about. And we had this video drop last week. Could have addressed it last week if we wanted to, but I didn't want to push it because there seems to be a possible problem with Kai Jones. So in that video you referenced, that actually wasn't the first time that people had seen that. There had been some ramp up in Kai Jones activity over the last couple of weeks on social media. I think specifically more so Instagram where he had been just acting a little more bizarre, if you will. There were tweets, just a lot more activity, lots of emojis, which isn't a crime. It's totally fine. You put all sorts of emojis you want to. You put all sorts of tweets out that you want to. It's there for a reason. But then when he posted the video that started to circulate and go viral in NBA Twitter and maybe even beyond that, that video was him dancing in the background, sweating profusely, saying a bunch of nonsense. You couldn't understand a lot of what he was saying. Now, once you started to really start to try to figure out what he was mentioning, then you could hear him talk about, I don't think the Hornets are going to trade me. They're very high on me. If I get that call, I'll have my buy. But I don't think the Hornets are going to trade me. They're very high on me. And a lot of it was you couldn't understand what he was saying. So then here he is now calling out the teammates that you mentioned, Nick Richards, Mark Williams, to some randos on social media. You hear all sorts of criticisms from random people on social media where it's smart to just ignore them. That's the way you deal with it. But even people that were going at him on the Instagram live video, you know, Miles Bridges shows up, said, hey, get off the gram. Get off live. He would know for sure. He would know. (laughs) Dennis Smith Jr., who is the veteran that is not brought back on this team. Dennis Smith Jr. apparently went out and said, hey, on the gram and said, hey, get off, man. We love you. Get off. Get off. And so we even had a statement from his dad saying everybody praying for Kai Jones, he's going to be fine, everything's okay. Kai Jones addressed it a couple of days after saying I you know, it's not like I was on drugs. I was just, you know, chilling in my crib. Everybody's tripping. And now he's going after Mark Williams and Nick Richards. Here's my thing on this, Wes. One, if there's something to the po- if there's something going on where Kai Jones needs help, I certainly hope he gets it. I I think we're in that territory. Where I would agree. No, we don't know. We don't know for sure. But I hope that he gets help if that's something that he needs. And whatever pathway he's about to go on, I hope that pathway has the best chance to lead him to success. I think we're getting to a point now where you can question if that pathway is with the Charlotte Hornets. If you're going to be calling out Nick Richards and and Mark Williams because people are tweeting at you and because people are going at you on social media – then how much can the Hornets trust you to act right or not call out teammates as you move on? And this doesn't seem to be all in good nature fun so much. This seems to be a part of the pattern of behavior that Kai Jones has exhibited and that has been different within the last few weeks. So this isn't to me all Mark Williams are just going at like Josh Hard and Jalen Brunson. Those guys go at it on social media, but it's clearly a joke. This doesn't seem like that. Wes, if I had to guess, I, I would guess that he's not on the squad anymore. I don't know, though. Like, I have zero clue. But I just, a third-string center. Why would the Hornets put up with a lot more of this? I just don't think that they will. And and we'll see if they cut him. I don't know who would want to trade for him at this point. But it's sad. I wanted it to work out. He's a great guy. I mean, young, but a great guy. And I don't know if it's going to work out with the Hornets.
2: Yeah, it seems to me like he may be doing these things so that he can be off of this roster and onto another team where maybe he can get some more minutes. I'm not sure. That's just speculation there. But uh, you can't have this because it's going to be a double distraction because even though it goes, it may die down in the next couple of weeks, but once training camp begins, media days, things of that nature, they're going to be asking teammates about this. They're going to be asking Kai about this. And so this is going to be a big distraction to this basketball team so maybe they don't want that uh, going on as well with all of the other PR that you're going to have when media day hits for the Hornets. When you're talking Miller, the return of Miles Bridges, there's a lot going on over there at the cable box. And so when you talk about this and you look at the 2021 draft class for the Charlotte Hornets, cool. do you feel like that this is Mitch Kupchak's worst
1: contribution to this team? I think so. I think so right now. Because if, if you are pro Mitch Kupchak, then you look at the drafts that he's had in the past, and then you can point to a lot of them and say, man, he really doesn't miss. He doesn't outright so badly miss. P.J. Washington, while we have different opinions on him, still a guy that gets a second contract and a pretty valuable one at that. Miles Bridges, talent-wise, was going to make $30 million, if not with the Hornets, with somebody else. Drafted a LaMelo ball, third overall. We know about some of the second round hits that he's had. Those guys getting to second contracts, parlaying those assets into first round picks or at least extending their value. That's impressive. You go to this draft class. They draft James Booknight. They trade up to go get Kai Jones. And they draft Scotty Lewis in the second round, which is more injury stuff there. I hate it. Scotty Lewis seemed like a fun second round pick. Always going to be a wild card. Got injured. Hasn't been doing a lot since. But yeah, this is it. This is his biggest mistake. And even just one more time to read these comments, these comments seem a little too descriptive to be all in good nature. If Kai Jones says, man, they're bums, I'm better than those guys. Okay. That I could agree is more fun. But he's sitting here calling out specific parts of their game. This is very true. I'm more assertive with the ball than him. I can read myself. Uh, Whatever that latter part means.
2: I was wondering, too,
1: what was that? Did he have a Pat Mahomes comma problem where Pat Mahomes, when he was talking about Aaron Rodgers, he tweeted out, I hate that man. Hope he recovers fast. But he didn't put a comma. So it sounds like he's saying, I hate that man. (laughs) Like (laughs) Wes Bryant took over Mahomes Twitter account. (laughs) But then he edited it and put a comma. I hate that comma, man. Like, I don't know. And then he said, show me a video of Mark Poland going left and hitting it anywhere, man. In college somewhere. Show me. It's aggressive. Like.
2: Sounds like something that a coach said that he regurgitated and that he sees as well and thinks that's a weakness in his game. 100%. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to go to the campus corner. NCAA getting violent threats over the Tez Walker ruling. That and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.